What's up, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Terror Table, a horror movie podcast that is presented by the Saskatchewan Podcast Network. On this episode, I'll be joined by my co-host, Boozy, and our very special guest, Adam McDonald. Adam McDonald is the writer and director behind both Backcountry and Piwacket, two films that we genuinely love and have discussed multiple times on this show. Adam also recently directed the entirety of season three of the horror TV series Slasher. Adam was an absolute treat to talk to, and we were so grateful to have him give us an hour and a half of his time to pick his brain on the makings of Backcountry, Piwacket, Slasher, as well as Hysteria, the Def Leppard biopic in which Adam played the role of the bassist Rick Savage. We close this conversation off with a discussion on Adam's favorite apocalyptic horror films. Adam highlights some great films, and he also recommends a few lesser-known flicks that live in that subgenre. So make sure you have a pen and paper or have access to your notepad and your phone so you can write down some of Adam's recommendations. I just have a quick few announcements to make before this episode begins. We have a quick message from our friends at Arrow Video. Arrow Video is excited to announce the June rollout of titles on their subscription-based Arrow Video channel, including the exclusive debut of Miguel Lonzo's Jesus Shows You the Way to the Highway, a hit on the international festival circuit. The film boasts an Irish-accented Joseph Stalin, a kung fu-fighting Batman, a mix of Afrofuturism, Cold War paranoia, Lynchian surrealism, the dystopian world of Philip K. Dick, and 60s exploitation cinema. Jesus Shows You the Way to the Highway will be available June 1st exclusively on the Arrow Video channel in the U.S. and the U.K. Additional new titles available June 1st include The Woman, Blood Tide, Dream Demon, White Fire, and The Stuff. The Arrow Video channel is available on Apple TV in the U.K. and U.S., as well as on Amazon in the U.K. We had a chance to see Jesus Shows You the Way to the Highway at last year's Saskatoon Fantastic Film Festival, and it was fucking bonkers. You are all in for such a treat. Next week, Kyle Boozy and myself will be back at the table to discuss the video game horror film from 2007, Stay Alive. We have our next series of films planned out, but we decide to mix things up with a fun little one-off episode, so if you haven't seen Stay Alive but you want to be up to date for the conversation, now is your time to give it a look. I'd also like to officially announce the launch of our very own website. That's right, you can now visit theterratable.com to listen to episodes or reach out to us if you're interested in coming on the show or you just want to send us a message to join the conversation. We'd like to send a huge thank you to our friend John Allison who helped us build this website. John has been a major help to us since we have gotten to know him over the last couple of years and we greatly appreciate all of his help. Last but not least, this episode is rolling out on June 1st, which is the first day of LGBTQ Pride Month which is something that all three of us at the Terror Table passionately stand for and support. We would also like to mention our support of the Black Lives Matter movement. Our show is intended to be a safe place, and we won't stand for any racism, hate speech, homophobia, sexism, or bigotry of any kind. This all comes down to basic human decency and rights, and we felt it was important for us to share our stance as a podcast, since we are lucky enough to have the privilege to be heard by many people with this platform. But without further ado, here is episode 167, with Adam McDonald. Hi. Hi. It's an amazing book. Thank you. But I just wish maybe you could write a little bit more about rituals. Just careful what you believe in. Yeah. I love this part. I don't think the devil's role is to create evil, rather to expose the evil in the hearts of men by challenging the loyalty to God. That's cool. I think our parents will always be our parents. <laughs> I mean, like, we're supposed to look up to them, but they're really just people, right? Wrong. You tell me. Ever since your father died, you've been into that occult crap. It makes me feel better, and my friends... Your friends are losers, Leah, like you're becoming. 
Every time I look at you, I see your father's face. God, I wish you could just wipe it off. I wish you were dead! Darkness, I charge you with this sign. Mother in the night are mine. I invite you to come. Where'd you go? Don't trust your lying eyes. I can't believe you want to kill your own mother. Live. Just let me just open the door. Black magic starts with you and it will end in you. Hello? All right, Boozy and I are back at the virtual terror table, and we are thrilled to be joined by one of our absolute favorite modern genre filmmakers, Adam McDonald. How's it going, Adam? How have you been? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. Wow, what an intro. Really? <laughs> you got to <laughs> know. We, it sounds like, we're, like we got to get a little bit of the... Um, for lack of better words <laughs> well i don't how how do we put I this like, i love it listen i'll take that intro everywhere <laughs> i go we're we're like all bullshit aside we're we're huge fans of your movies and we've made it pretty well known on this podcast like we've been we've been singing the praises of backcountry since day one and uh we last time we talked to you you were could only tell us about pie Wacket. uh nice. so so now now that, that we're talking way back <laughs> yeah now now we've had time to see it multiple times i watched it again last night and <laughs> so it's just uh it's really exciting to be talking to you again so um thank you so much for joining us again it means a lot to us and uh we know our listeners got to be excited to hear from you because uh they hear us talk about you all the time <laughs> <laughs> that's i was so, just thinking that it was a long time ago that's right i spoke to you before Piwacket, and that yeah look at the time flies man Wow! Absolutely. Yeah, you were you were our first like guest that we really sought out to get. So like, <laughs> you were the very first one, and uh, we weren't ready for you at all. Like we, uh, we our our we were so unprofessional, and our microphones weren't working, and we felt like such amateurs and such dipshits. But you were so cool and so nice to us, and uh, we really appreciate it. And it's just so cool to have you back. Yeah, I, I, that's fine. And I don't remember it that way at all. I thought it was a lot of fun, man. So oh, just gotta keep on keeping on, you know? Yeah. yeah. Cool. Uh, so before we get into everything, like we're going to be talking about your your favorite apocalyptic horror movies today. Uh, but for the first little bit, we just want to catch up with you and just talk horror in general for a while. Uh, so just for a brief catch up for any of our new listeners, uh, you're a huge horror fan. You always have been. You've yeah. made two feature length horror movies at this point. What made you decide that horror was your genre, the playground that you wanted to play in? That's a good question, man. I, I really think um, it's not so much a decision I have to do horror films. It was more like I just want to tell the stories I want to tell, and they just happen to be horror films. Like A good example of that is The Exorcist, right? You talk to William Freakin, he's like, it's not a horror film, it's a drama about a girl going through it, you know, it's just... That's how we so like Piwacket is an example of that. Backcountry is an example of that. But also, I I love what the feeling that horror movies give me. I know it's strange. I'm sure you guys feel the same way. Like yeah. I remember seeing Evil Dead the first time, changed my life, and I just couldn't shake it for months. I was like six years old. I was pretty young. <laughs> my son is five now, and I cannot believe if he watched like six or seven years old Evil Dead. That is fucked up. 
but I love the feeling it gave me. I don't know, this haunting feeling, this weird feeling that I saw the shining. So when I was starting to tell stories, I was like, well, the stories I want to tell desperately are the ones that gave me that impression. So you're ho I'm hoping to give that to someone else. I'm right. hoping some kid who's 12, you know, sees backcountry and leaves a lasting impression that, 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 that maybe make, you know, make him or her creative about something else or give him that same feeling that that's what I strive for, you know, like, so that, that's, that's, that's why. Or just make them terrified of bears. I mean, that's, that, that's yeah. the other option. Yeah. That's what yeah. you did to a 24 year old, which was me <laughs> right. and boozy. But I, I wanted to wipe out tourism in Canada. Let's be honest. You, yeah. <laughs> You've Fuck done off. a great job. Get out. Get out of here. But, yeah. um, but coronavirus did that already. So, so, <laughs> but I'll tell you something. I remember being a teen in high school and all my friends, we went to go see house party yeah. Maybe I'm older than you guys, but there's like yeah, you know, kid I remember house party. party. I remember this is where I knew like <laughs> that I loved horror movies, not even didn't even know it. I we go to the theater in West Allen, Montreal, Cineplex, and what's playing is The Guardian. Oh wow, the Guardian. freaking movie! And I went. I begged one of my. It was like eight of us, and I remember one friend. I said, "Can we please see that instead?" <laughs> but it was subconscious. It wasn't a choice. It's like not even a choice. I yeah. And his name was Mark. I don't know if he was like, sure. And I, we, and so the other guys went to see House Park. We went to go see The Guardian. Oh, and wow. Wow. Well, shout out, Mark. Like, what the fuck is this? And I'm like, I was, I loved it. And I walked out. <laughs> but it's like, you know, there's moments like that you look back on and you're like, you know, horror wasn't my whole world, but you do that. And you're like, oh, yeah, it's like it's embedded in me somewhere. It's where it starts, it's where it gets into your blood. Yeah. That's what happened. That's what happened with me and uh, Child's Play too. I was around your son's age when, so maybe that would be a good first step for him. Show him Child's Play. Oh, <laughs> yeah, maybe. Oh, that's a lot of sleepless nights. I feel. But then, but then, uh, uh, maybe maybe don't do that because if you do, he might end up looking like this. <laughs> so, oh, well, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> He'll be hosting um, a podcast. <laughs> yeah, he might want to do some more productive things rather than be a guy who hosts a podcast. Um, but before, uh, before you start talking at length about like Waterworld and the happening and other apocalypse films, um, what are some other horror films that have stood out to you over the last couple of years in general? Like, what are the things that have been really clicking for you? Uh, a dark song. I saw that. I was going to ask, uh, cause that movie had such an, uh, I thought of you when I watched that movie. Which is weird because we don't really know each other, but I like that's how big of fanboys we are. Sorry. Well, I, I saw I, I saw the movie uh, after by Piwacket, and I remember oh, wow. going. I was like, "Wow, okay, uh, that's great," because he, the, the filmmaker, made it grounded it in this reality you can yeah, you can grasp, you know, and that's what's so terrifying about it or weird about it, and the son and trying to link up with someone who died, and, and he just I don't know the way they did it, and the guy who conducts the say the ceremony and the rituals he's he's completely not what you think you usually yeah. see in the movie but you buy it and i just anyway i thought the cinematography was great and there's that brilliant moment when she sees the angel and that's just uh, that'll stay with me forever i just thought that was just a brilliant moment in the film and it's got this weird feeling to it that i really admired the filmmakers because you guys know, like sometimes you see these movies and it's just littered with jump scares from top to bottom, has no feeling, and yet at the end you're just nothing like, nothing yeah, really memorable. Just, yeah, you just like, I checked that off my list. I saw that movie, and then you're just like, it did nothing for me. And you're just, how many times are we going to see a light turn off and then turn on someone standing behind someone? Yeah. So I just get like, you know, that worked at one point. 
in the early two mm-hmm. thousands or whatever. But it's like you know, moving on from that. I think something like a Dark Sun does that well. But other like God, there's been a number of them. It's funny I can't even think about them right now. I'm trying, you know, what I'm doing in my brain is thinking of, like, I bought uh, Daymare 1998, the uh, horror survival game that was, like, a, a fan thing for Resident Evil 2, apparently. Oh, so, yeah, like, yeah. my mind is there right now. Like, I, I can't wait to play it. <laughs> I never get to play games anymore with my kid and everything, And I, I, I but it's, that's the one I'll probably, like, stay up late trying to play. Because, again, like horror movies, like Resident Evil 2, fucking oh, amazing. Yeah. The best. You know, like, I love that game. Like, I, I, I of course. Like, yeah. so it's not just movies, you know, it's just, whatever. but that's uh, actually uh, surprising. Okay. Cause like, uh, I, on the topic of apocalyptic stuff as well, I'm currently replaying through the last of us. Have you, have you played through the last of us? Yeah. Fucking yeah. perfect apocalyptic game. Just, it's yeah. so, it's a little weird <laughs> playing through it in like today's climate, but, uh, it's still, it's amazing how I haven't played it since the PlayStation three. So this is my first time with the, ps4 and it's so clear and beautiful yet it's so much scarier <laughs> it's yeah awesome. it's really good it's really yeah. it's a great, great yeah because you can get immersed with the character totally. you know the emotion of the characters you can always go to that and yeah. i just i love that game because it wasn't so clear like a big boss it was yes. almost like you're just going through this world and it's like yeah it's intense yeah. and 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 I, I, it's some of the fun of that game is just literally walking around yeah and empty you know um suburban street or like you know you're just like what the fuck that's like yeah. i love that going through houses and going through you know someone sat there and read a book one night you know <laughs> yeah, yeah, i think no like kidding. that anyway yeah but yeah oh i remember playing like the first one like i rented that on like n64 and i remember it's just being so different from everything else that was like i was playing at the time you talking about yeah. resident evil yeah yeah oh, although yeah. the n64 one is like the clunkiest version of it <laughs> <laughs> so I, I remember my brother, my older brother, rented a PlayStation. I mean, think about that for a second. Going to Blockbuster yeah. and fucking renting, renting one. You have yeah. to give your ID and everything. You rent a PlayStation. He rented a snowboard game in Resident Evil Two, and the next day, all I did was play Resident Evil Two all day, all day. Yeah. <laughs> and then the next day, and the next day, and I just came obsessed with Leon and, and the whole story and everything. And that was great. Yeah, so good. Um, I guess we'll have to go back to some questions here because people are really excited to hear from you. So um, you played a key role in the ABC police procedural. That was a tough one. Rookie Blue for years, where I believe you met Missy Peregrine, who was in backcountry. Yes. Um, And I was kind of wondering, just going on from that, is what's it like being on the other side of the camera in terms of a TV series with Slasher Season 3? Uh... Like you went from being an act actor in Rookie Blue and then uh, to directing a horror TV show, Slasher Solstice. Well, Slasher was a dream uh, yeah. to do. I mean, Aaron Martin, the creator of the show, uh, talked to me for season two and it just uh, didn't work. I was doing Piwacket at the time and he came back season three and I was so happy. And I met them, I pitched and yeah, I, I love doing it. It's, um, it's very different because... You have to understand with the ABC thing with uh, Rookie Blue, there was different directors every episode. So it was a bit of a, the tone was the same. I know they get their tone notes and everything and they have to adhere to, but there's a f- different feeling every episode when you're shooting with someone. Right. You know, the director really, and I took no, I would always secretly shadow the directors and I can really tell that they set this like tone, even though Missy was the lead and overall she would set the f- tone of fun on set constantly. 
Um, so she did that. And then, and then sometimes the director would come in and they would be, you know, set a different mood on set. And I, I could feel that like, wow, that's a responsibility. You know, if you come in with a bad mood and you got a chip on your shoulder, it's going to, it's going to fucking infect the whole crew so quickly. I, I realized that even earlier as an actor, but it was pretty clear on rookie blue on some occasions, but then, you know, with acting, man, it's like an elevator. You're like, you're constantly, someone's about to bang on your door to go do a scene for five pages of dialogue. They have to have ready to go at any moment. So it's like you have a, a gun loaded with, you know, a bullet. You got to shoot whenever we're ready. Okay, go. They knock on your door. You go out there, you do the scene and it moves very fast. So if you don't know your shit, you know, people like, they're like, huh, you don't want to slow it down. So with directing, you're more in like a flow. Like I was a slasher, I was like from the beginning, I was lucky enough to be at, at the genesis of season three. So it's always different every season, right? To help with Ian Carpenter or be with him and bounce off ideas with each other or see what his, you know, themes are for the, the season with Aaron or the look, the feel, the tone, all this stuff. And you help cast it. You do the whole thing with them. So there's a lot more like, we'll say not control, but there's more input you can give than just being hired to direct an episode of television as opposed to a whole series, right? Right. Um, and it was awesome because I remember talking to Aaron and I, um, I, I, I said, you know, do you mind if I do handheld work with the camera? Because I know there wasn't much in the others and stuff. So I don't know what I had to do, but he was like, just do your, what you do in your movies. Like do, do your thing. And I was like, he's oh. going to have free reign to do whatever. Well, a little bit. Of course they, no, they always a tap on the shoulder. If there's like, yeah. listen, we need this or need, of course, like you work together as collaborative, but I was that freedom to go, okay, I can use all the tools and depict the scene and in the camera movie. Cause I love an athletic camera. I love when yeah. it tells the story the way, you know, it's such a, that's the, one of the most important tools to really tell the story. So I was lucky to do that with Slasher. But the biggest thing is like, there's no sleep. Like you're, you're, you're eight, like, you know, four, 12 hour days, you go to bed, you wake up and it's cost. It does not stop your block shooting eight episodes. So it's almost like you're a marathon. Yeah. Whereas acting, it's sprinting. It's like sprint up, uh, 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 uh. So they're both. I, I prefer the directing because you just get, you sink in and you can go as long as you can with acting. It's, you have a big scene coming on Monday and you got to prepare for it and you don't know when you're going to shoot it. And then there's the next day and it's like this really weird elevator kind of right. feeling of being prepared and, and it's a different muscle completely. Do you, do you find that like with having to deal with so many different directors through rookie blue that you picked up stuff as you go that you can use even now? Oh, a hundred percent. I remember there was uh, one director who came up to me and I use it sometimes where I wanted to do the scene at a certain place in the room just as a suggestion. And the director went, okay, that's fine. We, let's look at that. We looked at it and, and he's like, well, can you find a way to get over there by this point in the scene? Because it's the camera, it's lit that way, right? And the way right. he said, can you find a way to get there? And as an actor, you're like, well, I can, I can find a way. I can do anything. <laughs> you know, instead of like telling you, you have to stand over there. He was very gracious that way. And I said, that, that's, that's the way to go. But it also, listen, it helps a lot to be an actor working with actors because you know what they're going through. You know the vulnerability right. in front of them. You know like um, how tiring it is or when to... What helps a lot is that sometimes you get a director and you're doing coverage, a lot of coverage on a scene. And you're giving everything you've got for every take. And by the time it gets to your close-up, you're exhausted. 
So I would tell some of the actors that helped on Slasher to let them know that the money shot, the one we really care about, is not yet. It's in three shots from now. So really, we can warm up, have some fun, try some things till we get there and loosen up and not say, you know, shoot the rehearsals always fun too, because it's all rehearsals. Because some actors would come on, they'd be a little nervous and be like, what's all rehearsing? We're not, it's just recording. We're like putting down the guitar lick for this song and it's recording studio. It's a safe place. It's fun. You don't have to worry about having the perfect performance every time. Because sometimes you go on set as an actor and some directors, you feel like they're demanding that of you. They're like, it's got to be perfect every time. You're like, well, then you just not, that's not fun. Yeah, you're not going to stay on. That You touched on a couple things that I noticed on, like I rewatched uh, Backcountry and Piwacket over the last few days. Uh, and honestly, man, like I've seen both of those movies so many times now where I'm doing it, I'm doing them a disservice by revisiting them so much. But the thing is, I'm never disappointed anytime I watch them. I'm just picking up on new things. And one of the things I picked up on this time is uh, your you understand something that a lot of I, I don't even know if it's something that a lot of other filmmakers don't understand or if something maybe studios don't allow them to do is you have such a good firm grasp on what not to show us. And you you touched on that when you were just talking here. And that's something that comes up in both Backcountry uh, with the bear attack scene, like how to make that so subtle yet visceral and how you, you make us make up our own, like our mind works. Like that bear attack scene, scene is one of the most brutal things I've ever seen on film. And it's by far the scariest thing I've experienced in my adult life. Like it wow. is stuck. It's stuck with me so badly. And it's because like, we've talked about this countless times on the show. Like it's just very, um, it's very familiar for us around where we live. Like we're Canadians as well. And we go camping and uh, it touches a lot of sweet spots for us, but uh, watching it again, it's like, you don't actually show a whole lot, but it's the, what you do show that makes us just, it makes your stomach turn. And then you do the same thing in Piwak. And it's so, it's something that I can, I appreciate it so much. And I know like listeners and viewers of this stuff appreciate it. And the other thing is that like, sorry, you're not even going to get to comment on this. Cause I'm going to go right onto the next compliment. <laughs> um, but your actors clearly trust you. They have complete trust in you. And uh, you can tell that from what you expect of them. Like we talked last time, you, your cousin is Jeff Roop, the, yeah. <laughs> the husband and backcountry. You absolutely yeah. destroy him. Um, yeah. <laughs> you've obviously, you've known Missy for a long time, but you get a performance out of her that is just like career defining. But at the same time, it's like, it's only the start for her. You can tell like you, she, she has so much more left in the tank, but I, I, I admittedly haven't seen everything that she's done, but I can't imagine she's had a chance to show off her chops that she was given. Like, she wasn't given that opportunity the way that you gave it to her in backcountry. And that's something that's got to be just such a joy to work with. Well, for a hundred percent, I, I would never take the credit for her performance, but she, um, she was, um, um, she was ready to go there. Like I could see, and yeah, you gotta, again, 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 being an actor, it does help because you know that there, there's a safety net there and I care and I love actors. So, there's this, yeah. you know, you were going to be okay. I am going to take care of you. We're going to take care of each other. Um, and it's okay to take a risk and be brave. And they do. And I remember, like, well, Missy is so committed when she wants to do something and she's ready. She's going to give it her all. And that's her greatest quality as an actor and artist is that she's willing to not uh, censor herself in that way. 
So she, so I remember the second day, the second day of shooting backcountry was uh, the day that she screams at the uh, tree about help. She's right after the bear attack and she's screaming yeah. for help. That was the second day of shooting. Fuck. And oh, wow. she's like, and she has the blood on her. And then we say, you know, we're, you know, action and she does it. And I'm in tears. The DP's in tears. And I, cause I go, you know, I've been meditating on this movie for years, years. I've been trying to get that movie made. And then there it is. And she just, like, I was like, I knew I had the movie in that moment. I knew yeah. it. I knew it. And then it was up to me yeah. with the bear attack. And I just put so much pressure on myself. But, but the, um, with her, I was like, Oh my God. Cause like, Sometimes you talk to people and they, you know, might want a bigger name or this or that. And you're just like, who's best for the role? Who, who, you know, who's the perfect person to play this role kind of thing. And, and, and then, and then when you get that person to be in the movie, you're like, half the job's done. Yeah. How many times have you seen a movie? You're like, that's totally miscast. Why is Yo, that person yeah. in the movie? And yeah. it's like, okay. And then you're like, uh, but then you like, someone like Missy or Nicole and Pie Wacket or Laurie Holden, like they embody those characters and it just takes it to another level. And it makes the directing job so much easier and more fun because you, yeah. you let them. And also like not suffocating actors either. That help when they can feel like you're free to play. It's, we're not, it's not rocket science. And to yeah. be with them every minute, you know, when they're crying, I'm crying. When they're mad, I'm mad. Like I'm with them right. the whole time. And it's so rewarding and cathartic. And then it's just, it's just a lot, it's a journey and it's a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. And at the end, like Missy too, she's great. Like at the end, she was so like, listen, when, when she, she, she read the script when she's back country and then we got on a phone call and she still wasn't sure because I never did a, a feature before. And she was like, how are you going to do the bear attack? Like it could be fucking cheesy as fuck. Yeah. And I said, I said, yeah, I said, yeah. She goes, that's oh. reality. Yeah. I go, what's the plan? And I said, it's going to be a real bear. And she's like, music to my ears. I'm like, yep. It's not going to yeah, be a guy to bear that, suit. It's going to be a bear. That's fucking unreal. And that, that, sorry, continue. But then, so she trusted me and I had these long talks with her and she connected to the character and she's from BC, right? So she's, you right. know, she's nature, she's connected to nature that way. Like everybody is in BC, it seems. And, um. So she, she, she connected to the Jen, the character herself, and understood her. And then, yeah, and then it shines. And same thing with Jeff. You know, Jeff, I wrote the part for him. Yeah. He had to go to some very vulnerable places in his performance. And, he, and, and, and he's given the room to do that. Because I right. can't tell you guys enough. If you guys ever direct or something, like when an actor comes in the room and they feel like they can't do anything right, you're done. You're done. Because they just done it. The actor will just just is shut off. Yeah, because that happens. Sometimes you get on set, and you're like, "There's nothing. You don't do anything, quote unquote, right." Yeah, you're okay. done. Well, you've got so you've gotten pretty lucky with uh, like your casting and everything. Have you yes. had to fight? Have you had to fight for that, or is, has yeah. that always been kind of in your control? No, you fight. It's a you know, it's a making movies is a wrestling match. Yeah. Um, and you have people on your side and you try to make the best movie possible, but it's a business too. So sometimes some, you know, people that fund the movies, they want the biggest names they can for pre-sales. And so that's how it works. Right. Right. So then you have to pitch and 
help to say, you know, this person's perfect for the role for X, Y, Z, and you, you, you put your passion for them in the role, and then it works out. And then they get, they get on your side. And like, yeah, yeah, totally. I get it. And then, like, um, yeah, so that's what you do. So, like, it's a long process. But they're just doing their job, and you're doing your job. Because, you know, you get you have meetings, and you're like, well, do you want to go camping with this person for two hours or this person? Like, oh, this person. Yeah. Well, then that's, that's, you know, moving on. Okay. No, Adam, um, you're taking Josh Gad. No, take, yeah. <laughs> Josh Gad is the bear. I'm telling you. Yeah. <laughs> with having um, room to breathe with the actors, is that in terms of like, do you do you have them formulate their own dialogue, like a loose script, and then a lot of it's what they say is how they feel? No, I'm because both features I wrote, Slasher was different because Slasher. I wasn't the writer and it was great. Right. You know, Ian was there, the showrunner, and it was awesome because, you know, it's his, his dialogue, his words, or any of that stuff came up, he would deal with them. And it was, it was a pleasure. Um, and I thought the writing and that was great too. But in my, my films, no, like I, I want this, you know, I wrote the scenes and, but I also allow them to you know, allow it to be played with. Like they, you right. know, you're feeling this impulse not to say this word or feeling this impulse to say something, go ahead. Because I always use that Derek San France thing of um, um, capture moments, not create them. Like, right. for instance, the fight on the hill on, in backcountry, they, they felt like there was no one around. So, like, there was only the, the, uh, uh, the boom operator, uh, the camera, and the focus puller. That's it. Around them. So, when they looked around, they could really not see anybody if they wanted to. Because sometimes on set, you're like you're doing a scene, you're lining up a shot, you're standing on the mark, and they can't, everybody's there, and you look over there, and you see the whole crew. Yeah, and you're supposed to be thinking about something, and they're all around you. Man, you did an uh, unreal job of making it seem like nobody else was there except for yeah. those two. Because there's there's even there's one scene where you kind of framed it up where it's the scene where Jeff uh, where he comes out of the tent and he see he discovers that the, their food yeah. was fucked with that night and you like kind of circle around you show the entire forest and then you go back around to them yeah. and it's it's uh, it's so isolating it just feels like absolutely hopeless at that point. Well, that was my my big uh... and the bear is not even in the movie at that point. No. My mantra was just like it, you ha like it would make people nervous because those one eighties are like yeah. we're seeing the whole set like you right. know, yeah. you know, sometimes you have the tent video village with like a you know army tent so you can't see in the forest. Yeah. If you look closely, you could probably see a couple times that mesh like we did on Piwak it a couple times where like oh there they are but you can't really see it. It's really it's like hidden yeah. camouflage. Yeah. Because we, I wanted her, like, when she goes to d do the ritual in Piwak, we, you know, circle around the trees. There's no one there, right? So you, yeah. it's this feeling of isolation. So yeah, I, think totally. it helps. I think it helps with the fear. Yeah. Okay. Uh, last question I have about TV, and then we can move on. Do you have any plans to continue working in that area anytime soon, or are you going to go back to feature films? Well, <laughs> I can't. I don't know how much I can give away. Sorry, but, we don't want to dig too much and get you in trouble or anything. It's just no, very curious. I can tell you that something's brewing for TV right now, okay. which is very, very, very exciting, and hopefully it all works out. It's and Stranger Things Season 5. It's coming back for Season 5, and Adam McDonald is directing it all. You, you just, <laughs> I can get in trouble just you saying that. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. Uh, no, that, no, that is 100% not true. I don't know why yeah. I just said that. I'm sorry. Uh, um, 
you know, because then the quote, the quote, the quote comes out. Yeah, no, no, don't worry, that. sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's okay, man, it's okay. Um, no, there, no, there's something I, you know, I wish I could say more, but I can't. But in the film right. side, no, of course, I have, I have like three things I'm developing, and one's really close, and I could say a little bit about it. It's it, one is called the Black Donnellys about the um, the massacre uh, uh, of, of the Black Donnellys and the Irish immigrants that came here. So it's it's definitely a a visceral, intense uh, history lesson. So like something like you know the true story of the Kelly Gang. It's that kind of thing, but in uh, oh, yeah. our Canadian version and. We, I can't say anything, but we have an actress attached that I'm very, very excited about. So this should be hopefully a press release soon to say that and everything, but it's it's going there. It's not a horror film per se, but it's like it's got some horrific elements, but I like to think of it as like an historical thriller. Yeah. Uh, and that's I've been working on that for three years now almost. So it's it's getting close. And another one where something's in development, yeah, it's again in the horror genre and uh, Missy's attached to it. Um, deals with the woods again, and we'll see. We'll see what happens, but it's getting okay, there. That's awesome. Yeah, it's fun. That's what I get. Well, yeah. So, like, like you said, last time we talked to you, we had only heard about Piwacket, and now we've had time to watch it a couple times and everything. But uh, we didn't have time to talk last time about why you chose to tell this story. What made you want? To, like, obviously, no one expected you to just make killer bear movies or animal movies for the rest of your career. But it seems like a pretty significant jump to go from this to uh, witch, like a witch occult type movie. Uh, what made you want to jump into this realm? Well, I was been always fascinated with uh, the occult in some ways, or black magic, and always frightened me, um, and always found it really uh, interesting, especially even as a metaphor for youth. You know, um, and I after backcountry, I was thinking, you know, some some opportunities came my way, but I just in LA, and I just didn't connect to some things. So I realized I better quickly do something else, do my own thing. I got to write another script if I want to do another movie. And I was just like asking the universe like I do. It's stupid. But I asked, like, you know, give me an idea. I need an idea, whatever this stuff. But I'm, so oddly enough, I was reading William Freakin's biography and I uh, came across The Guardian and I completely forgot he wrote, he directed that movie. So I bought the... Uh, Anchor Bay copy because I couldn't find it anywhere else, and I watched it. And in the movie, the the uh, babysitter says "pie whack it," and when oh, she said "pie okay. whack it," I went. This all ties into what ha- what I was saying before about going to the theater, I guess. But uh, to see that movie, The Guardian, um, she said "pie whack it." And it just fucking hit me like a ton of bricks, man. And I just saw the movie. The name was so powerful, and I remember going into you know. Just, just into my son's room and thinking like, like you know, it's just like about the baby because he was the crib and everything and in the movie and in the Guardian. And I thought of myself, so I used a lot of the piwack. It is me and my mother, uh, a little bit of it, uh, not the occult, not like you know raising a demon and killing her and all this stuff. Obviously, <laughs> but, you know, moving away. A lot of stuff was and from my own life. And so I started seeing the movie come to me and it was coming and it was clear as clear. And then after a week I had an outline, a treatment and I got really, really excited. And of course with the um, music like him or like um, mayhem or like black metal, death metal, all this stuff. And I was like looking in how it inspired the whole thing. And then, you know, especially the black metal makeup 
and then her and having crack and grain involved with their patches and stuff and the their song and i just saw everything i just saw the whole thing and then i wrote the script at first we pitched it around town as the treatment and they got close with one company but then i decided i, I i'm inspired i have to write it so i wrote it and then i couldn't this is fast it does, never happens this fast but I, I wrote it, and then one year later, I was shooting it. I couldn't believe it. So That's unreal. Yeah, so That's it was just like, but why the jump? Well, it's, it's similar. They're similar films in yeah, many ways, yeah. where it's about this tension. And I love that Shining, uh, huge influence on me, it seems, even like subconsciously. Because that movie... You know something bad is going to happen. You don't know when or you don't know what exactly. But you know something's bad. You don't know when. And it's just, this, it's, like, it's just like pulsing through the whole film. Especially it's creepy. And I love yeah. that. So like by, you know, backcountry, it's the bear. Piwakit, it's the witch. And like the slow build to this horrific ending kind of thing. So they're very similar. I Have can. you ever seen Mick Garris's version of The Shining? I recently watched that. And yes, I always ask people who really like The Shining, like, what do you think of that version? Because it's so much different. I thought it was good. I enjoyed it. Like, I saw it on TV in 1997 or whatever it was. Yeah. And I remember that I, I thought it was, it scared me. I thought it was good. Like, I prefer Kubrick's Shining by, by a yeah. mile. But, but I thought it was well done. I, I enjoyed it, especially the old lady in the tub. I thought that was really well done. I enjoyed right. it. No, yeah, that, yeah I, I totally I agree with The that. acting was really good. Yeah. Um, so, like, what's this? What's the story behind the ritual that you chose to highlight in the story of Piwacket? Like, is I, there is this a real? Because in uh, like you mentioned a dark song, like that's based off the real Abermelin ritual. Um, is this one based off of a real ritual? Yes, but we. Uh, I went to like this occult bookstore in Toronto, and pretty authentic, pretty pretty intense, and uh, you know, it was pretty creep. It was creepy. We have one of those here too, and it's it's creepy. Yeah, it always it's, cool. it's, not like, it's fascinating, always, it's like a, but it's because it's, it's like in the middle of nowhere, and yeah. like and like the per- people there, you just there's a back room always. You know what's going yep. on in that back room? Yeah, there's a very weird smell. They have haunted you artifacts. These, you got these books that are like the book of sh- shadows, and you can't read it. It's just images. Yeah. It's really strange. It's almost like in code and, and a lot of weird stuff, a lot of intense stuff. And that's why I think it's scary. I think if you let that in, if you really believe it, I think it, I think horrible things could happen. It's like, it's like bad energy. It's almost like when yeah. someone walks oh, in the park, that's like, like that person's got bad energy and you can feel yeah. it. Mm-hmm. So there's just something in that. I believe that. Like if you're in a bad mood all the time, that yeah. good things are not going to happen. Think about it. Totally. Like you're in a shitty mood. You hate everybody, but nothing's good's going to come out of that. Yeah. So I think uh, it's the same thing with like this. The, if you're going to evoke this negative energy, with you know, nothing good's going to come out of it. So I picked up a couple of books and I was reading, doing a lot of research. I wanted to get it right, at least close enough. But I was scared to do a real one. So I just put I put two rituals together. One was the drawing down the moon, which is a famous ritual, and also uh, a love ritual. So the love making someone fall in love with you. So one of the, that, that was a simple like Wiccan kind of uh, love ritual done where she buries her, the hair and everything and the milk and the blood and that's all that. And okay. drawing down the mood is what she sang and some of the string and like, it's, all, it's all amalgamated in one. But it's not, it's not a full one from start yeah. to finish, so it's broken, right? 
Is that yeah. kind of based off of like the idea of like chaos magic, where you're trying to do something positive for yourself, but the consequences can be kind of all over the board? Because that does kind of seem how Pilac it is. Yeah, I've never heard that term, but uh, apparently, like, with, with the guy says to her, maybe it was cut on, I can't remember, but but black magic, if you, it comes back to you threefold. And it's, a, you know, as above, so below, whatever they, yeah. they call yeah. it. Like, it, it comes back to you. So be prepared. And um, especially if you do evil onto others. And so, like, it was very clear. So that it comes back to her. So it does. I mean, I thought it was pretty creepy that, you know, people that understood the film, that, she, the, you know, that she ends up killing her own mother by being manipulated by the dark force, by Piwak, by this witch. By the, like, that's terrifying to me. Like, this was just come it's out and unreal. just kill like, She makes her do it. Now yeah. she's going to come for her. And it's like, oh, it's like, that's a fucking nightmare. To me, it's a nightmare. <laughs> Yeah, and that was a, that was a slow process because I had the whole story at the end when I was doing the treatment. Wow! The one thing I was missing, and what clicked was when she went to do undo the ritual. Her mother's body was laying there, and while yeah. her mother was calling for her, that too connected. I went, "That's it, got it." Oh, and oh I, man, and that's I, awesome. Because, yeah, that that's such a memorable ending. And it, it it's one of those movies. It's kind of like how I felt uh, after leaving The Mist, which Laurie Holden's also in. Uh, but it's just such it's such a devastating, such a devastating ending. And it's fucking so memorable. And it'll sit it'll sit with you for days. That's that's amazing. Um, the other thing I want to ask about Piwak, it is like the the final 40 minutes of that movie is just insane. Like the film takes such a dark turn. Uh, and the entire witch sequence is masterfully crafted and terrifying. Uh, but you also set a person physically on fire rather than just adding flames in post, uh, which is something that us fans notice and appreciate. Did you have to push for these practical effects? No, luckily I didn't. When we yeah. were sitting around early on in the meetings and Jonathan Brofman was one of the producers and Victoria Sanchez was another producer and she was really the catalyst to get it made at first. And then Jonathan came on later and they, they were amazing. But they were nothing but supportive. So I remember sitting around in these early meetings production, and that came up. And there was somebody in the room that was like, oh, we'll just put a flame bar close to the camera. And most, I'm like, I go, no way. Yeah. No way. And we t- no way. Come on. It's like, we got to light someone on fire. We have to. We have to. No, you absolutely do. There's no movie. It takes you completely out. Bar. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, and then I remember they were like, awesome. They were like, app done. I couldn't agree more. Like, Jonathan and Victoria were like, oh, it, there's no other way. That's and, awesome. And, and I love that energy. It was like, yeah. And then I found out later when the stunt woman who came in and she was amazing and, and really, really friendly person and brave person i was like thanking her for being so you know for doing it and she tells me she's like i'm counting down the days to do it like she's not nervous about it she was like i i they don't do these much anymore these live burns i can't wait to do it because now it's more cgi and everything so they were so excited all the stunt people couldn't wait to do it (laughs) yeah they're kind of nuts eh? well they were just like we don't get to do them anymore as much and so i remember on the day like they had to build uh, Damien was an amazing production designer and he built half the room. Like when you see the movie, 
and Nicole or Leah is looking at her mother, watching her burn, that's in the real room of the house. When you see the woman on the bed, that, that's a room built outside. There's, yeah, no it's room, a, there's no nothing. It's yeah. half a room built outside in the middle of, in the middle of nowhere, near, near the fire department. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's and if you're if you're out there and you own a copy of the Blu-ray, it's they that's on the uh, the special features. It's so cool to see that. Also, people don't understand too is like also some do obviously, but like finding the house was really hard. Yeah. Like oh my god, man! I don't. I can tell you this right No, Like oh fuck, because you 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 write the script. You do, you know you have these ideas of the script, and um, we went house hunting. Everything was falling into place. I I, I saw Nicole Munoz and um, Stephanie Gorin, the, the uh, casting director, showed me her, and I I'll, I'll thankful for Stephanie for the rest of my life because because Nicole was perfect. And um, her audition like just blew me away, and so and Laureus as well. It all worked out. So we have every piece. Things are happening, but then we don't have the house. And in a movie like this, if the house is, is not right, it doesn't work. So we were, we went back to Sault Ste. Marie like three, four times to find the right house. And um, and 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 credit to like the producers, they were like, "Well, we're just going to keep going back. We're going to keep going back till we find it." Because it was a character in the movie, and I remember getting really depressed at one point because <laughs> we were seeing all these different houses, and some were so wrong. And you're like, "Oh God!" <laughs> and like one house, I'll tell the story. Who gives a fuck? I, I, I we, go, we go to this house, and it's like a bungalow that was like freshly built bungalow. Very strange, like freshly, like right out of a box, fresh wood. Like in, in the middle of a gravel pit, it was like really weird, and like some forest around, and we were just seeing everything. So we get in the, we walk, we walk up, and I immediately I know I'm like this is fucking not, this is not right. But like well, we're here anyway, let's just go in. So we go in, and it fucking smells like shit. Like we go in and we're looking around, and and so one of the guys is there, he's walking around the bungalow, and it's clearly, you know, and then the other guy comes out of the washroom. And he like lights a match. So like, it was so, it smelled like <laughs> diarrhea. And I was like, oh, it, bad. it just was funny. It's like, well, obviously, like, like I remember at the end, like, like, so what do you think? Like, <laughs> well, if you have people coming over, I don't know if you want to, you know, like, okay. yeah. <laughs> shit. But we're scheduled to come at this time. I don't know if that's a great way, you know. It was, I just never forget. I'll never forget it. Yeah, no kidding. So, There's a welcome gift for you guys. <laughs> no thanks. But, um, but I remember, you know, some houses were close, some houses were far, like just like in terms of the look. And then we found the one you saw in the film. And I, I never saw in the original script, the house was not a two-story house. It was a one-story house, like a bungalow. Uh, and because that's the house I grew up in up north in Laurentians, Quebec, the first one. That's what the house is based off of. Uh, but... Everything else was perfect. And then when I walked up, I saw like the red door, the, uh, the, the, the siding, and then the woods in the back when there's the log that she sits on and cries at. It was all there. And the woods were creepy. And the, but what freaked me out was that in the script, it was so uncanny that all the crew thought I rewrote the script to accommodate the house. Like I got oh, chills wow. when I walked in because we go to her room and there's an attic above a room in the, in, in this, in the, in, in the movie, right? Yeah. Right. The attic's finished, a finished attic with wood. And so, like, who does that? <laughs> I we thought were... for 
sure, I'd have to accommodate that attic part, but I put in the script exactly how it was described. And I remember Christian, the DOP I love, I work with all the time, looked at me and goes, are you, are you fucking kidding me? And I went, well, this is the house. Like, that's we got amazing. Yeah, we, we're, we freaked out. Because Dude, like, that's what a- are the chances of that happening in the kitchen, yeah. this, and the fire? Like, everything was in it was the house. It was so that's funny. bizarre. My uh, my girlfriend and I were watching Piwacket last night, and that actually came up as, as she asked me. She's like, first of all, would you ever sleep in a fucking room that had access to an attic in your room? Because like that's just terrifying." And and uh, and I was just like, "I I did do that. My my room and when I was a kid had an attic attached to it. But it's cool that 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 was a part of the story, uh, and that house had already had an attic to it. Because that, that is but it was strange. Like, it was in her room. <laughs> yeah, that's strange. Room." Yeah. So it was like, it was just, on, you know, and of course the way the woods were in the back and everything just all came together. It was very magical. Magical. Where was That's that awesome. house located, by the way? Yeah, I forget exactly, but it's near Sault Ste. Marie. It was close, okay. it was 20 minutes away from Sault Ste. Marie. And uh, I, here's a tidbit of information it was directly across the street from the church. Oh, wow. <laughs> and the, I don't think the, ch- the church didn't want us to park in their parking lot. <laughs> Little did they know that you're performing well, rituals across. They asked what the movie was about. I'm not sure. Maybe this is just folklore now, but it was like something. Yeah, they didn't want us to. Well, like backcountry is a good example. Like we we wanted to shoot that in uh, uh, what's the uh, Algonquin Park. Okay, yeah. And they read the script. They said, "Fuck no way, man." Yeah, because it's they got mad at us a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, it's bad for business. That that's actually I I never thought I'd have a chance to ask you this, but on the Blu-ray cover it says that uh, Piwaku was banned in two countries. Yes. Why is that? Uh, what, what countries also? Th- uh, um, We're also banned Vietnam, in two countries. Vietnam was one. I can actually look it up, but um, oh. it was two countries: Taiwan and Vietnam, or something like that. Um, yeah, we had this big email and it was like, they were like, obviously I thought it was cool in a way, but like yeah. the distributors didn't because it's like, that's money, you know, right. in a way. So they're just like, they were disappointed. Um, and they, it's because of the black magic. It's because the black magic uh, worked in the film. Yeah. Apparently. That's what I heard. It's like, so they're worried like, other people are going to try it or what? <laughs> no, it's just like, it's like, I think, I don't know the exactly specifics of it, but apparently the issue was, if the magic didn't work or like it was reversed and everything was great, it was fine. I think it'd be a different story, but the fact that it worked in the film, like she got her wish, you know, like the black magic worked and they don't want to uh, celebrate that or or show that being superstitious, I guess, and all that. So they banned it for that reason. Okay. Um, You know? Yeah. Crazy. Well, I, um, I was actually going to ask about, because you'd mentioned before with your uh, next projects you're working on, possibly dealing with the woods, and both Piwak and Backcountry are big parts of that are, are filmed in the woods and take place in there. Is that something you like grew up with? Like, is that your backyard and you had that imagination? Because like a lot of the way that you film stuff and how it looks reminds us of Saskatchewan. Like it, it, we could walk out in our backyard and get the same kind of vibe. Is that the same with you growing up? Yeah, well, like not when I was a little little kid. Uh, that's when I that's why I love Stranger Things and ET and stuff because that's how I grew up in the suburbs of uh, Montreal, just like that from the eighties. Like the houses were built in the eighties. That's why we moved in. So it's exactly that 
I grew up in that era. Um, but then when I got older, we moved up north. My mother did, and that's with Piwak. It's very similar. Like I moved up north with her in the middle of nowhere. Not in the middle of nowhere, but I could say silver. And it was deep in the woods. So in the backyard was woods, it was forest, like deep forest. And I would just go for these long walks in the woods. And I found them, you know, they're just so creatively uh, juicy, I guess. Like you just, you know, it's haunting, especially at night. You know, if you look around and you take a walk in the woods at night, it's yeah. spooky, man. It's very spooky. It leaves a lasting impression. It's like the ocean in a way. I guess if I lived near the ocean, it'd be similar. But it's like a nature I find can really... Um, humble you right so right. i used to love like looking over the appalachian mountains and going for walks and 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 also love you know as a kid too i love the old fairy tales the grim fairy tales and evil dead obviously is in the woods and they just always inspired me so like i remember once walking in the woods in the fall and it's probably the most beautiful feeling i ever felt in my life and it was just you know which can be few and far between sometimes but you're like I remember the sun was hitting the leaves in a certain way and the leaves were pink and it was like an aura around a certain part because these, these maples, I guess, were just so pink. It was so strange. It was like the exact time. And it was my skin. You looked at your skin. It was like pink. It was very, very strange, almost outerworldly. And you just look at these, this forest and you're just like, wow, it could be the scariest thing in the world haunting something's behind the corner i've I many walks in the woods i heard crack crack, crack and an animal was walking away or something but i couldn't see it scary right. uh or it could be the most beautiful too so yeah i find them so uh full of just just um energy creative energy right so, I, I totally love, get that I love you woods. can just walk around and be like what would happen if this happened how would i <laughs> respond to it well yeah. it's also like yeah it's just say you're on a property and you walk around a farm then all of a sudden you go to the tree line and you go step into the tree line they, something changes you're just like yeah. okay now i'm here and it's i don't know i just find it very uh inspiring very inspiring yeah it's very it's like how come the wolves deals with the woods i wrote a, a script during the pandemic called uh, Daffodil that deals with the pandemic and they're in the woods eventually. Like, I love the woods. Yeah. Black Dollars is probably the only one they're not in the woods and that's just a true story, obviously. But. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That's cool. Well, speaking of like, uh, like, so you use the woods as your personal canvas a lot of times for your stories. Um, we recently had the writer, writer-director Brandon Christensen on the show. He is the writer and director of Stillborn and Z. Uh, which are both oh, on cool. Shutter, but um, yeah, he on the show he referred to having his kids as little suicide machines is what he called them because he's like he's always worried about them trying to oh. kill themselves because they're always trying to kill themselves or yeah. doing something where they're in danger and it it affected the way that he writes in some ways and I know that you so your son is five years old now yeah. and you must so you've written Piwacket well while he was alive yes. um, but has that uh, has like you know, fatherhood and, you know, having a young family, has, has that affected the way that you look at your scripts or your writing? Um, does that affect, does it change anything for you? For sure. Oh, yeah, yeah for sure. Um, Piwacket, he was so young, not so much, a little bit, but Black Donnelly's, when I wrote that script, uh, it deals with little kids too and them growing up and face you know facing hardship and survival and famine and all this stuff and it's just yeah you you want to protect them from everything um but you know you 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 have a kid and then you see the movie the road 
and it means yeah. something a lot more than it did when you when you didn't have a kid. Or, or there's a really strange thing that, like, I wrote this movie Daffodil now. Like, it's so, this is just spec. So it's not, you know, nothing's happening with it yet. But if I wanted to ask that question, what does it mean to be a man today? What does that mean? What does it mean? And, or to raise a child. And it, I use the pandemic as a metaphor for a young family raising a child. Because that's what you feel like when you have a child sometimes. You feel like it's you against the world some days, you know. You just feel like you're just trying to keep it together. And then... And what a weird thing that happens with a kid, though, is like you start like y- 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 you wish the best for every kid. It's very strange. Yeah. Before you're like, ah, oh, just kids, you know, whatever. But you're like, you cannot worry for all of them. It's weird. It's just like, you know, any movie, like, you know, oh, I don't want any kid to get hurt. You don't want any kid, like, you get really sensitive to kids. You know, I, I've, yeah. I've talked to some friends and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, you're just like, wow, because it's just the world to you. Do you guys have kids? No, no, we don't. Yeah, yeah. Well, you'll see. It's it's uh, it, yeah. It's very it's very. Uh, I was gonna say, does that make the mist a harder watch? Oh yeah, anything. Oh yeah, like the yeah. road, especially. You're just okay. it's just, it's just like Jesus Christ. Yeah, because you feel that way, and that's when he wrote that book, McCarthy. Like he said, like he was much older than his kid, right? So he knew he'd be dying when the kid's not fully, you know, matured. And it, and, and it really scared him. And he wrote the road as like a metaphor for that. It's genius. And you're like, yeah, that's how you feel. Like you, like I would cut off my arm. I literally would cut off my arm if it meant to save my child. And you, you don't never, and you never feel that before. It's really strange. Yeah. Okay. So, so it does, it does inform you get emotional. I get emotional a lot easier and I could not write daffodil if I didn't have a kid. No way. Because I wouldn't know yeah. how the kid, you know, the emotions that are connected with the kid, what the kid would say, how sensitive the kid can be, or or you, and you know, so yeah, it just yeah, changes definitely. everything, hey? Oh yeah, for the better, I think. Well, for me, yeah. yeah. Okay, um, I my other question. This is kind of more of a personal one because I'm I'm a little more related to it, but um, we all grew up with Degrassi. How is it like having someone from Degrassi, having Eric Osborne on for Piwak? Like, were you like, this is a Degrassi member I'm getting on here? Cause it's a very Canadian thing to, to have that show. Well, I didn't, uh, I didn't grow up with the Degrassi. So I, I really, no I know <laughs> I, I, I saw a few episodes from the eighties. Yeah. yeah. That's it. Like I would never got into it. I was never big on it and I never, so I, I just saw him as Eric Osborne, an actor. Like I didn't, right. I didn't know, People told me after he was in Degrassi. <laughs> yeah, I remember watching and being like, "Oh, this is the guy from Degrassi." Same with uh, yeah, he was what? fun to work with. Yeah, he was great. But I know we had a meeting, and I thought his, you know, I liked his his demo, and 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 he was really, uh, you know, sweet guy, and understood the character, and wanted to be in the movie, and we got along, and that was great. And I think he fit well with Leah and Nicole, and it just made sense. And then, yeah, of course, I had no idea, no idea that he was like, you know. <laughs> Mr. Yeah, uh, yeah it's kind of cool. But all those teenagers—they're so believable as friends. Like they actually well, seem like, like they would slasher, actually be friends. Like Paula Brancati, like she was in Degrassi, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. That's something we always do on the show too. Is anytime someone's on Degrassi, we're like, "Here's on Degrassi." Is <laughs> that well, we, well, well, that's your generation, I guess? So you guys were just kids in the '90s, right? You were just yeah, yeah. We, oh, okay, well, so I was like, like when Nirvana hit, I was like yeah. 15. You guys were just super young. Yeah, I, yeah was I was like, born in '92, so never. Oh my god! Like, you really, yeah, he has <laughs> yeah, no he, idea. Yeah, Boozy's, Boozy's a little younger than I am. I was like fucking. I think I was like six years old when I saw like the "Smells Like Teen Spirit" music video. So, like, 
Dude, yeah, I'm it's pretty you, crazy. I was in my teens, man, when that happened. Yeah. And like, you have to understand, like, I don't think we'll ever see that again. It was literally like a flip of a switch. Like, oh, yeah. flip of a switch, everything changed with us, yeah. like kids and teenagers and everything, really, a lot of us. And I would just, love to see a flip of the yeah. switch now because I'm not crazy with the way it's going right now. Pilots who feel good. Yeah. <laughs> I also had another question because uh, we didn't actually know this the first time we interviewed you, but we went back and looked, and you were in a Def Leppard. Uh, is it a documentary or biopic? Biopic. It's, right. it's my uh, it's my uh, machine gun gun Kelly moment, I guess. Yes. Uh, yeah, because he was in uh, the Dirt. Yeah, the uh, Motley Crew. Yeah, I know. I played the bassist of Def Leppard in the movie. Yeah, he's awesome. Rick Savage. Dream, we we found a picture of you with the big tasseled yeah. hair. Yeah. That, Did you wait. actually get to meet Rick at all? Or like anyone from that? Or is it completely separate? I got emails from him and I got emails from Joe Elliott and that was it. It was a lot of fun, man. Like I, my dream as a kid was to be a rock star. I always, I mean, if I had a voice, I was talented. Yeah. Or, or, I mean, that was my dream as a kid for sure. Oh God, I've, I love rock stars. They're so cool. So um, I that was the best thing, closest I could get. Like, like I remember auditioning for it, and then I got it, and I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe I was Rick Savage, and then it was so much fun. And then we went to Montreal. We shot. I remember going up on stage in front of like five hundred extras or more, and like we'd play through photograph, and they plugged me in. I was playing. Really? Oh, oh cool. Space. Yeah. And then you know it was it was a man it was a dream come true it was a dream dream come true. That's why I can serve too because like you know like um, Lee Malia who's in uh, a band called Bring Me the Horizon like he yeah. uh, he did the music for Piwacket and uh, and I think yeah they're great I think their music is is great and Lee was um, he did that song and uh, or he wrote the song that was in Backcountry but wasn't for Backcountry it was on one of their albums it was instrumental. And that's what got me thinking that he'd be great doing a soundtrack. Uh, but he was so cool, man. Like he did such a great job with Piwak, and I have him signed on to other things too. And he's so like talented. But I remember once they were touring, and I just he was I was showing him stuff from set on Piwakit, and he was touring, touring. And I said, "Oh, for fun, you know, I'm, I was sending him stuff." And I was like, "Just if you go do a, a, a sound check." Just if you could just video with the, like for a second what's around you, that'd be cool. And then yeah, a couple of days later, he just sends me the sound check, and you're like, oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> like he just you know, he goes to the band and he goes around on his phone and you see his guitar and and you're like this huge arena and you're like, oh yeah, I forget sometimes. <laughs> Lee's a he's a rock star. That's yeah. Cool. Bring me the horizon's fucking huge. Oh, but it's, yeah, it was like wow, like. That is, you know, that's with Def Leppard. Like, I lived that like experience through that film. That was really, really fun. But so I, cool. I don't know how they do it. I ask Lee sometimes. Like, I don't know how he plays guitar on stage. Like, I, you know, I'd be so scared to fuck up. Like, yeah. <laughs> he told me like, when I think about it, I that's possible. I just don't. I just don't think at all. I just go through it. So. Totally. One last question regarding, or it's not actually a question. I just want to let you know before we move on to apocalyptic horror, uh, our friend Aaron B. Kuntz, he is the direct, one of the directors behind, uh, it's an upcoming horror anthology that's coming to scare, uh, coming to shutter called scare package. 
uh, played at Chattanooga Film Festival over the weekend, and he also has an upcoming horror western called The Pale Door. Um, I had him on the show a couple weeks ago, and we were talking about The Pale Door, and I had recommended to him if he hadn't seen Backcountry to watch Backcountry, and he told me that apparently he used the Backcountry score as his temp score <laughs> while he was while he was editing uh, The Pale Door. <laughs> So that's, oh, that's like, it's super great. cool, man. I love yeah. that. I love I figured, that, I figured you'd want to know stuff, that. Well, that stuff means a lot to me because you're yeah, like, and, and Aaron's, and it's great. Aaron, Aaron's a really exciting filmmaker as well. He's from Austin, Texas. And I guarantee when you see his stuff, you're going to love it as well. Uh, so Can't yeah, wait. that's especially keeping out for the pale door. It's a horror Western with like, I, Pat I love Healy. that title. That's a great title. Yeah. That it just, even if you look up the poster, the poster is fucking amazing. It's, yep. it looks awesome. Uh, but yeah, I guess we can, we can, uh, get onto apocalyptic movies. Uh, but before we do that, I do have three quick fire questions for you to put you on the spot. Uh, first, are you checking out the poster there? Oh yeah. Wow. Awesome. Isn't that cool? <laughs> oh, that's great. Oh, that's yeah. Great. I love the font. Love that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's super cool. Um, all right, cool. Moving into apocalypse movies. I Yeah, like I said, I want to hit you with three quick fire questions to put you in the event of an apocalypse. Uh, so starting off, it's the end of the world. Uh, just a second. It's the end of the world, and you only have a singular Panasonic anti-shock disc man and one CD to listen to <laughs> for the rest of your life. What CD is it? Well. Can't do that, dude. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, only uh, choose one. It's got to be a knee-jerk reaction. <laughs> fuck. For some reason, I, I uh, uh, Bruce Springsteen, born in the USA. Hey, that's not a bad choice for it. That's a good I way. I honestly to... was not expecting that. <laughs> you, know, you know what, guys? Me neither. <laughs> yeah, you surprised me. I, like I was going to say, oh, okay, I killed the prom queen. But uh, yeah. let's do... Uh, yeah. Oh, I love that yeah. band. I yeah, fucking love, love that band. Oh, they're awesome. Yeah. I'll have to show yeah, you we... off air once we're done here. My girlfriend made some art for for one of their songs that I'd asked for. So I'll show you that before we get off here quickly. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I, I, I think their albums are great. So they don't I don't know if they don't do anymore, but yeah. Yeah. Okay, and then moving on from that, you have an iPad with one movie on it and one movie only. What is it? And is it Tommy Boy? It's not Tommy Boy. Uh, if there's only one movie, legend. Oh wow, Tom oh, Cruise! Yeah. Good Tom choice. Cruise legend. Yeah, 100%. great film. Great film. Give me some Tangerine Dream. That's it. Hey, the American and, version. Hey, and that's uh, that's great. That's a reference to Backcountry as well. She Absolutely. she mentions mentions yeah. that he. Yeah, see, I'm a weirdo. I've seen that movie probably probably <laughs> as many times as you have. <laughs> I, I, it's one of my favorite movies. I mean, it's in my top maybe ten, and I don't know. I just think it so so perfectly captures that '80s '80s fantasy. And really, Scott is beautiful, and I love you know the music is great from Tangerine Dream, and um, there's a great you know uh, Mia Mia Sarah, I think her name is, who's great in the film, but yeah. also that's why I put I put it in. <laughs> <laughs> in backcountry, I don't know. <laughs> no, that's that. awesome. That's cool that you infused a little bit of yourself there. Yeah, um, I love it. Awesome. And then, last question for regarding the apocalypse: If you could have any fictional character with you to battle the apocalypse with, who would it be, and why? If you want me to make it easier, for, like uh, for an example, for me, I would choose Jack Burton of Big Trouble in Little China. Oh, that's yeah, yeah. No, because you know my my knee jerk reaction was uh, 
I didn't have any jerk reaction, really. Because <laughs> you weren't uh, expecting uh, this. Okay, how about, um, um, God, it's, it's, I know, um, Negan. Oh, from wow. Walking Dead? Yeah. You want him on your side? Oh, if he's on your side, I guess that'll work out. <laughs> cool. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, thank I, you for. I think I can convert him. I think I can make him. A, you a can good see system. the light. <laughs> well, yeah. Perfect. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, let's no, go to Apo- Lucille, not ne- Negan. Lucille. Yeah, Lucille. <laughs> That's a good choice. Good choice. Yes. Um. All right. Uh, so moving on to apocalyptic horror movies. So I know I uh, put you on the spot before when we asked you to come on the show. Said pick a subgenre, anyone that you're kind of, that you feel semi passionate about, and choose five movies that you want to highlight. Uh, you chose apocalyptic horror movies. So where does this love for apocalyptic horror movies stem from? I don't no, know. I, I love them so much. Yeah. I love them. I've written like a couple of pilots dealing with that uh, apocalypse. I think it just captures the imagination. I just, I don't know. I just think like it's one of those movies you're like, how would I, or themes were like, how would I act? What's it like? It's almost a weird dream. It's, uh, I don't know. I just, when it's done right. That uh, that idea of like society in ruin kind of idea. Yeah. Like I love those games. It just captures the imagination. Like I said, it's like walking through a deserted, you know, house, and you know it's past the apocalypse, and you see like a book on the table, and you're like, "Oh, this person sat there and read that book when things were normal." And also, a constant reminder: the coronavirus, whatever's going on now, could be another example of like, you know, nothing is, nothing lasts forever in any way. Yeah. You know, like it's constantly changing. Everything is life is, and and some of these movies could be they scare me too because it could be just these precursors of what's to come. Sometimes, you know, it's just cool. Absolutely. And yeah, I'm, I'm not sure how you uh, formulated your list or anything, but I'm not going to mention it now in case it's on your list. But I just want to say that my my favorite movie of the last 20 years is potentially considered an apocalyptic movie. Some people consider it a horror movie. And I'm very, very interested to see if it's on your list. So I'm going to I'll mention that if you bring it up. If not, I'm going to mention it at the very end. You, you uh, want to talk about Wally? Sure. Yes. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> That's your movie? Wally is a great film. Great no, film. I didn't I didn't I came up with like somewhat of a list, but I didn't uh put them in order because I, I except for number one. I do have a number one. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Now, uh, through the list now or like go, yeah. okay, well yeah. on my list for sure is the road. I know we talked about this yes. before. Because, Martinson. Listen, it's the most fucking depressing movie you'll ever see. Okay. I get that. But to me, one of the scariest sequences in cinema fucking history to me is when they go into that house of the cannibals. Oh, my God. Not, yes. Like <laughs> that to me scares me more than any fucking black, you know, like misty thing moving around, becoming a demon. No, that's scary. When they go into that house and they see those people coming out from the window and they're coming in, they, but they discover downstairs. Fuck off. Oh man! <laughs> or that house? Come on! Yeah. You're in the country, you're driving around. You see that house, you're like, God damn it! I don't want to know who lives in there. I remember living up north, and there was one house. Every time I drove by, I said something fucking nasty is going on in that house, and I don't want to know. They had a yeah. gate. It was like just like that. So totally terrifying. Unreal. I love that they don't tell you exactly what's happened. 
I love they don't tell you like something about nuclear power, maybe and these these explosions or nuclear uh, storm, whatever they call it, a fallout, and you feel like there's you know that whole great speech by Robert Duvall of like they you know they fucked up, like you know they went too far or whatever. Um, haunting because you're like that's a movie you're like yeah yeah that could happen that could totally. happen and yeah. he's got a kid and there's a moment in the movie where he gives him uh, the kid the, the, the bath and warms him and like it's just it's such a like he just to appreciate taking a bath and like wow it's just scary it's very yeah. scary son it's, come on yeah this is a this is a conversation that could probably take up an entire podcast. But regarding the road, when I wa- last time I watched that, my uh, and this has happened to me. I'm sure this has happened to everybody listening. Um, when people, when like your mother walks in at the worst time when you're watching a movie. Two examples I have of this is my mom came over to drop some stuff off to me when I was watching the road. There's so much of that movie she could have been walking in on, and she walked in and sat down right at the cannibal scene, like right at that part in the house. So that horrified her. She hated that. Oh. The, the other was I was watching House of the Devil, Ty West House of the Devil, oh, which great is film. I love that. Yeah, film. it's like an hour and fifteen minutes of walking around, nothing really happening. My mom walks in right at the orgy, like right at the end where everyone's getting <laughs> oh. cut, or where, where the the satanic or like where she's getting cut up at the end. Like, and I'm like, talk doing? about timing, yeah. What timing do you have, Mom? <laughs> uh, but cool, yeah. So the road. Let's move on from that. What's your next one? Uh, well, I, it's hard because I, I, I can't put them in order, and there's more than five, obviously. But I'm only going with the ones that left a really a lasting impression. Okay. Okay. Um, I have to say, um, I, even though it's in the z- zombie genre, I have to put it on because it just really thought it was brilliant. It's 28 Days Later, the first one. Yes. Rewatch that this week. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. I mean, that one, the way they shot it with the DVs and like you know, video, and and of course, Cillian Murphy did a great job. And it's, it was, you know, what it, it was just like them seeing that building, apartment building. There's only one light on. They have to go there, and they're sitting in that apartment building, and it's just like, fuck, man. How just like intense that is, and how quickly that changed. For him and everything. I don't know. The zombies, the way they ran, I mean, come on. He goes in the church. Yeah. And I just, like, that to me, that to me is one that the road scares me more with that house. But there's a moment, if you think if you woke up in a hospital and you experienced what he experienced, yeah. And the way they, because the first time really we saw zombies run that way. So it was just like, finally, you know, you're seeing something <laughs> like that. And then it's terrifying, fucking terrifying. Like a gang of hooligans, you know, it's just like pretty scary stuff. Yeah. I love that. Not yeah, not to mention that was like obviously this had been uh, this had been explored a lot in Romero zombie films as like the humans being the true terror, but like the last half an hour of Twenty Eight Days Later is just so incredibly intense, and I think people forget about that a lot. The la- the ending of that movie is just fucking brutal, so yeah. intense. Yeah, yeah, or or all, and and but a, a little bit of a caveat, not a caveat, but an appendices here. The f- opening of Twenty Eight Weeks Later. To me, it's one of the best openings ever in a horror film. Yeah. The first 15 minutes of that film, I'm done. I'm out. That's it. That's all I need. That yeah. is incredible opening. So that ties into that. They, yeah, they give you no time to breathe. They immediately get right to showing you what the movie's going to be about instantly. Yeah, with them cooking dinner and whatever. Yeah. Someone bangs on the door. You think of this existence. They get sunny out, but they, you know, they, drop, they, 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 they blocked out the light. And then... 
you know, when he's running away, he leaves his wife behind, which is horrific, and then he just runs away, and they're running after him in daylight, like going to the boat. It's fucking insane. It's amazing. Yeah, I love, I love that movie. The it's movie. really. Yeah, it's really cool how uh, the the ending of Twenty Eight Days Later is Killian Cillian Murphy just being an absolute badass and just wrecking everyone, and then the opening of Twenty Eight Weeks Later is Robert Kyle, Carlyle just being despicable. Like it's it hurts to watch him in that opening because it's you're always scared of being that person. No one wants to be that person. Like you can't imagine yeah. you would run away from your wife, but it's a no. uh, it. It's a really good dissection of the of that zombie zombie sub subgenre, if you want to call it a zombie movie. Yeah, because yeah. well, this is this is what was really hard about this list because like Dawn of the Dead is one of my favorite movies. Yeah, you know, uh, Night of the Living Dead, the original, but that, we, we got to keep that to the zombies, or else it's like yeah. going to become the zombie list, right? So that's the only one I'm going to put on here, but only because it's one of my favorites, and it definitely has that apocalyptic feel like it's, it's nothing will be the same again absolutely uh and the scope of it and everything allow him walking over the bridge like come on it's just and the uh, score the score oh, is just beautiful God. well they apparently used um godspeed you black emperor at the beginning but they didn't get uh the rights to do it long story oh really sure. and i did a sh- i did a short zombie film my first short film ever and i went because they're from montreal and I'm from Montreal, so I thought that would help. But I tried to get one of the, some of their music for Somber Zombie, this sh- short I did for Bravo. And they sent me back an email. No. I was like, all right. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> you just ride. <laughs> just, uh, you know. Just, no. So, okay, I, I know my number one. I have, so I have three others, right? Yep. Uh, yeah. Oh, gosh. Like you can do some honorable mentions at the end, too. We're not going to cut you off. Honorable mentions. So I, I think I have to, you know, I got to say this. I, this won't be popular, and I don't care. I don't care. But I'm going to say Bird Box, okay? I'm going to okay. say Bird Box because the, 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 the concept to me is so scary. And I love, like, the movie is great. I, I did enjoy the movie. I like Sandra Bullock's performance. I thought the music in the movie was great. Like, listen yeah. to the soundtrack of the movie on, 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 uh, on, uh, on YouTube. It's really, really, really good. But why I love it is, like, you never, ever see the creature. You never see what it is. And the writer of the book, when I heard how he came up with the concept, I was just like, it's fucking brilliant. Yeah. And do you ever hear he, how he came up with the book, the idea? No. All I know is that he came up with it like way before the happening and like before all of this stuff was like a lot in the same place. So many people compare it. They're like, all that. But uh, Phil Sin, how did he come up with that? He apparently was in school and the concept of infinity was brought up and the teacher was like, wrap your brain around infinity and sometimes it can drive one crazy if you try to really understand or mathematically equate infinity so it terrified him that thought of like you can actually go crazy thinking about infinity and how it works so he was just he was like you know he was always has this fear like something's outside on the front porch sitting on the chair but don't open the door. Don't open the door. Because this is when he was a kid. Because he's like, if I open the door, infinity is sitting in the chair. And if I see it, it's going to drive me crazy. 
So, so that thought really fucked me up. Like, I was like, oh, yeah, because I remember being in school, too. And I remember, like, the teacher asked, what, what scares you the most? And everybody, all these, everybody was saying sharks, getting eaten by a bear, you know, you know, whatever. One kid goes, losing my mind. And I remember the whole room was like, whoa, that's pretty good. <laughs> so, so when he wrote the script, he praised, like, the two kids. And, again, having kids helps why I love this story is when they're in the canoe He's like, well, what are they running away, away from is infinity. And that whole thing, I just, I don't know, I find it really haunting. I think the concept is top notch. Yeah. So totally. I, 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 really like, I really like it. Uh, okay, yeah. so I have my other three. Um, uh, is, is it, I'm, I forget the name of it. <laughs> so how weird is that? It, but I, this movie fucked, blew my mind. The, uh, what is it called? It's an Australian movie. Ah, sorry, I should have had this prepared. Australian uh, okay. apocalypse yeah. movie. Yeah. Uh, how old is it? Who's in it? No, it's not my number one. Oh, here it is. Uh, the uh, the final hours. These final hours. Have you seen it? No. No. Oh my god. I'm writing it down right it. now. It's like Perfect. the road in its own way, and it's really like smart with how they depict the character, the lead character. And I mentioned the road because it's really, really, really based in reality. And some movies I turn on and I just cannot stop watching. I don't think of anything as I'm watching it. I, I, it can't, and I don't ever want it to end. These final hours is one of those movies guys. You've got to see it. Awesome. And it's, it's basically, it's about a, they know a meteor is going to hit the earth. They know life's over. And the apocalypse is coming. And it's the story hinges on this guy trying to make a couple of wrongs right with his life. And it really, really makes you ask some very important questions about your own life. And it's profound yeah. and it's smart. Because some people just like, they want to party. So they're having parties for the end of the world, you know? Yeah. Kind of like Trey Bellwoods in uh, Toronto uh, this past weekend. But this Crazy. is it's it's a movie that got shut off and I I didn't I I could not stop thinking about it for two days. I uh, can't the director of nineteen twenty two as well. Oh, it's it's such a good movie and I'd recommend it to anybody. All Add right, it to the list. Yes, you have to see. I'd love to hear what you guys think. Uh, grounded in reality, hardcore, and it's like it just anyway sucks you in, and I you feel for this guy by the end. You're like, oh god, <laughs> so yeah. it's really like it puts things in perspective. You know, you, you'll, your you'll, your day will change the next day. You'll probably do things differently. Awesome, uh, can't wait to see it. Yeah. So, All right, so number, is this next one? Is this your is this your number one now? No, my number no? one. Is, okay. Yeah. Okay. Now I'm, I I you you'll see a theme here because like before I get to my number one, I'll I'll, I'll bring out some you know honorable mentions but my number number uh, two is going to be <laughs> have you seen the light of my life no no it's much more of a drama than you can see which what i'm more interested in but it's like the road it's casey affleck's movie that he directed and wrote oh and right now i it's another movie i just couldn't turn off and like women are not being born anymore and so he has a little girl. He's trying to hide who, her identity. Uh, so like, there's no little girls anymore in the world. And it's, it's just such a frightening idea. And you can just see like the whole society's collapsing, but they're trying to keep it together. 
So it's like the road, but not as dark as the road. Cause there's like, there's still glimmers of hope. There's still kind of like a semblance of like civilization, but it's, it's over. That's what's so scary about the movie. But it builds in a way that's similar to Road and that he confronts these people at the end. And it just, it just ha- I guess, again, having a kid, it, it helps. But it, it's so haunting. And it's so well-directed. It's so well-acted. It's a beautiful film. And I think that it should have gotten a lot more um, kind of acknowledgement. Yeah, I, I can't believe I, ha- I hadn't even really heard about this one because it just came out last year. Yeah, and I, I, I you know, I was maybe, you know, for sure, it has to do with Affleck. Oh, uh, Casey Affleck. Yeah, he's he's yeah. great in it. Uh, I yeah. you know I, I just I, I I highly 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 recommend it, especially at awesome. the end. And you're like, ooh, that's exactly what would happen, and it happens. You're like, oh, and it gives you those. These are the EBGBs like the road does with the house, yeah. but like okay. it, that permeates through the whole film almost. It's really creepy. Like they're camping, and then somebody shows up at their campsite, and they're just talking, and you're like, who the fuck is that guy? Like everybody's, everybody's like, you're on, but unlike the road, it doesn't seem so far gone, but it's just at that point where it is over and now they're just trying to figure it out. So the way he talks to other people, it's, you're on the, like the tension never leaves the whole movie. So that's what I loved about it. Awesome. And now some honorable mentions, like, you know, I can't say Invasion of the Body Snatchers. You can't because it's not an apocalyptic movie. Right? It's a sci-fi movie. It's not an apocalypse. But I will say uh, Children of Men is on my list. I have to say Quiet Earth is on my list, that old movie. That's a, yeah. If you haven't seen that, it's an Australian film. Really, really, really creepy movie. Um, so, okay. Is this number Shall one time? We, is it number one time? Yeah. Number one, baby. You want, to, want to have three guesses? No, because you'll probably get it. I, I don't know. I, I wonder if it's my favorite. Like, yeah, let's hear it. I'm going to say big fan of Snowpiercer. Big fan of, you know, love that movie too. Uh, yeah. oh, I like Oblivion as well. But for me, number one is Wally. No, I'm just kidding. Number one is fucking <laughs> The Road Warrior. That's it. Done. Oh, wow. Great <laughs> choice. That, that's a great choice. 100%. Hands down, The Road Warrior. Absolutely. I saw that movie and I just was as a kid and I've been watching it ever since. That was a kid. That's one. Yeah, that's awesome. That's that makes a lot of sense that you were inspired by that one, actually. Yeah, that's such a wicked movie. Like not not the first one, not the new one. New one's great too. The Road Warrior, Mad Max 2. Yeah. Mad Max 2. I mean, come on. The guy that shows up. Oh, um, I know. Mungus. Yeah. I mean, imagine, if it was about, imagine if it was about toilet paper. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Walk away. Walk away. Leave <laughs> the toilet paper. The bird. Leave <laughs> the toilet paper. Oh, my God. In the wasteland. Yeah. Well, he's. <laughs> imagine that. Yeah. I love how he says pump. Yeah. Pump. The pump. The pump. <laughs> the pump. <laughs> uh, I just love the character. Anyway, I'm going on, on about uh, uh, oh Lord Humongous. Come on, it's the best. Yeah, that's he's awesome. Kind of like a, he's, he's like, you see, he's a sensible guy. We can make a deal. He's all right. You know, he seems like a sensible chap. You're like, yeah, right. He's got two hanging off the car. <laughs> he's in the wasteland. Like, yeah, okay. 
<laughs> you, you guys are going to stay in your mind all day. Yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I always say I'm such a fucking ass, but like every time, like every time, like you know, we're, we've been washing our hands so much. Uh, like we, I, we should anyway. That's why I'm telling people, like, you're not washing your hands before the pandemic. <laughs> we just yeah. learned how to now. <laughs> so my, 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 my kid goes to wash his hands. I always say, and it drives my wife nuts. I always say, you know, because you have to pump the soap, right? They so say, hey, Raven, you got to use the pump. Yeah, the pump. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're referencing th- things he has no concept. Oh, yeah, it's something I'm an idiot. Yeah. Give You'll it get 20, into it. Twenty years, and you'll like, be like, "Oh, that's what that was." Walk away, walk away. <laughs> Out of the bathroom. That's awesome. So that movie, well, that... come on! Even like a strong female character in that movie made a huge impression on me. Uh, yeah. Oh, I loved her, and she dies on the truck. And I remember being a kid, being like, "It broke my heart." I thought she was so cool. She didn't have a name in the film, did she? She was all in the white and the hockey gear. She had long hair. She was one of the. Yeah, boys. I don't think. I don't think she had a name because uh, even oh, cool. isn't that a thing in Fury Road where a lot of like Immortan Joe's Fury. wives don't even have names? No, no, and Fur- Furiosa. Or yeah, Furiosa. she has a name, but that's yeah. it. But yeah, that movie. I love the cars. I love you know Mel Gibson. And he's just like you. You want to get out of here? Talk to me. Like, <laughs> All right. Okay. Oh, it's just I love that movie. Yeah, it's a great film. Great film. Awesome. Well, before we close out, I want to highlight a couple that I don't know, if Boozy, if you have any that come to your mind for apocalyptic horror movies. But I just want to ask you, Adam, have you had a chance to see Blood Quantum yet? No. Oh, fuck. I'm Do you know what? A... Yes, on my list. Yes, yes. Yeah. It's on Shutter right now, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, or it's on Shutter in the U.S., which is because it's not uh, it's supposed to be coming to Crave in Canada. Oh, you yes. might have to rent it yes. here. But yes. fuck, man, I. Yeah. Yeah. I think being a Canadian boy, you'll you'll have a lot of fun with it. Well, not fun, but it's it's a great movie. It's I loved it. But uh, my favorite uh, my the movie that I consider I don't. It's funny because it's on Shutter, but I don't consider it to be a horror movie. But it's my favorite movie of the last 20 years as an ap- apocalypse movie is Take Shelter. With Michael Shannon. Oh, I love that movie too. Yeah, I love that movie. So if anyone uh, out there is, I love for... that he was he was right. Yeah, uh, that's I don't, exactly. I don't give it away. Sorry, spoiler yeah. alert. But it's no. it's a haunting movie, and I, yeah. I always say hundred. That would be to me. It's like these final hours. It's it's yeah. apocalyptic in, in its theme, where the end is coming. Before I forget, you asked me before, and this would have made my list, and I can't believe I forgot it. But you asked me before, what movies have I seen lately that really? In, in uh, horror films that impacted me, The Survivalist. Have you seen that movie? No. <sighs> Probably again. That's on my list. I, he's got, it's got to be on the list. I put that honestly right now, like number three or something. It's it's that's a movie that's super haunting and awesome. ties in beautifully. And the story is perfect. And again, it lends itself to know, like, hey man, you got a low budget, you can do anything special like great characters i believe it's a northern ireland movie okay an an irish movie um about a guy surviving after the apocalypse and he's just in this house and he's doing his thing and the story is so smart it's so smart you have to see it okay see that one these final hours and you'll love it yeah i I also have a film to throw in here if we're if we're all throwing one in uh, yes. I really like 2009's Carriers with, with uh, Chris Pine. Chris Pine. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's a decent one. It's, I've only seen it once, but it was really good. It, it's, it's, I think right now with the climate we're in, it's a lot more relatable because you have characters who are uh, distrusting of other people just because they're worried about them being sick. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Well, it, it does. It does uh, reflect what's happening today in some ways. Yeah, and they're even but, they're all wearing the masks and yeah, everything too. Yeah. And yeah. then like, my wife I think, saw it and she loved it. Uh, so let's should we let's let's just 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 do one thing. Do uh, do we talk about a film that's an apocalyptic movie theme, but just miss the mark? Are we going to do that? Let's do it. No, I'll, I'll you know. <laughs> Is it happening? I don't think we should. <laughs> I'm trying to think off, to, off the top of my head. I'm like, oh shit! I... <laughs> He's about to throw shots at Waterworld. <laughs> well, I love Waterworld. Uh, yeah, it's great. I was just joking. And I also, yeah. Quiet Place, I thought was pretty good lately. Yeah, that's a really great. What a great premise! Brilliant, For sure. Brilliant opening. Yeah. Cool. I guys. always, whenever, whenever we have a uh, guest on and we do this, I always try and like, so you chose apocalyptic movies. So I was like, I'm going to revisit or watch a couple apocalyptic movies. I hadn't seen this week. So over the last week I, I revisited some, like I rewatched 28 days later, 28 weeks later. Great experience. They hold up so well. Um, Ooh, eh? but the, yeah, the one, the one that I, uh, that I discovered this week while I had watched it for the first time is threads. Have you heard about threads? No, it's a, it's a German film and it's like, uh, it's from I think eighty seven, um, but man, this movie it's it's based around a nuclear a nuclear holocaust, and it's it's filmed basically documentary style, but it's it has a narrative and everything, but it's basically feels like you're just watching mass genocide, and it's terrifying. It is it's haunting. So I highly recommend that was recommended to me by uh, some of my a lot of my like film connoisseur friends who have been uh, a lot older than me, have a lot more experience under their belt, have seen way more things. And uh, this one they mentioned to me, and holy fuck, it stuck is, with me. Is it about an hour long? Yeah, it's very short. It's like an hour and ten minutes, I think. Yes, uh, it's... Threat, it, it, yeah, it, 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 um, or, or wait, yeah, no, nope. this one's 1984. It's an hour and 52 minutes, sorry. Oh, it's an hour and 52 minutes. Yeah, they. I think you're the. Yeah. We just got an extra hour out of here. <laughs> yeah, no, I just. I was looking at the daily, the daily motion. It just popped up. Okay, uh, but but yeah. So like, uh, really cool, man. I'll check that I'm out sorry. for sure. Yeah, not not German. I got that wrong as well. Uh, the effects of a nuclear holocaust on the working class city of Sheffield, England, and on the eventual long term effects of nuclear war on civilization. And you, and uh, it's and it's uh, a couple hours long. Yeah, it's an hour and fifty-two minutes. It came in nineteen eighty-four. It was it was very very haunting. Um, and then the the last one I want to or the one other one I want to give a shout out to is one that nobody talks about. And I think it's because a lot of people don't know about it. Uh, but the Duffer Brothers, the creators of Stranger Things, they directed oh, a movie yeah. called Hidden uh, yeah. from two thousand fifteen with Alexander Skarsgård and uh, oh, what was her name again? Uh, she's really good. Uh, Riseboro. Ale- uh, I can't find it. <laughs> oh, uh, Andrea Riseborough. Yeah, she. It's it's a pretty cool movie as well. I highly recommend checking that one out. But uh, yeah, Adam, thank you so much for joining us again. This was yeah, a ton of fun, you. and well, we pleasure. really appreciate you having me, guys. It's always a pleasure yeah. talking to you. Wicked. Well, we can't wait to see what comes out from you next, and uh, hopefully, we can get out of this safe and sound and with as sane as possible. <laughs> so uh, enjoy this time with your family and. 
stay safe and thanks so much again for joining us yeah well thank you guys and all the best to you is a lot of fun and we'll talk again soon when i have my my next project out of great to talk to you guys again absolutely that'd be (laughs) awesome we want that (laughs) cheers guys have a good one thanks man you too bye